Is that all true? Oh boy, that's a good one. All of God's people said, Hallelujah. And worthy is the Lamb that was slain, and Amen. Man, I don't know if you guys have that album. It's the uh, revival in Belfast. And the very next song is, I hear the voice of one crying. I'll stop there. For I'm gone. I'm half gone already. I'm glad you're all here today. And those of you who aren't here today, I miss you. (laughs) Try to make it next time so I don't. I'm glad you're here today and that you survived the crisis of last week. It was in the newspaper. Yes. I do believe this, though. Whoever's arguing with me there. I do believe this one. Those of you who suffer from triskaidekaphobia survived last Friday the 13th. See, it was worth coming just for that. Right? Just for that. Which is, you knew that already. Why didn't you say, anyway. (laughs) Triskaidekaphobia. Yes. uh, And uh, isn't it wonderful the gospel actually frees us from all that superstitious nonsense? Aren't you afraid? No, I actually went out and had a meeting with a fellow pastor on Friday the 13th. I'm that risky. And it didn't go south. We still like each other. Well, mostly. Totally. Okay. I have a terrible problem. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. What's that, Pastor? What, what kind of problem do you have? I'm a preacher. It's a terrible problem, and it's a challenge, and it's uh, really problematic when you're a little bit ADD. And uh, last week, I only got through like, who knows, and uh, I know it was hard for some people, especially visitors. I heard some visitors say, does he always preach like that? And I'm like, uh, mostly, but not totally, uh, because it was a different, different kind of subject. I'm going to explain that in just a minute, if I could. So last week was kind of housekeeping. If you're a visitor, you need to know that families need to talk to each other once in a while. And that's what I was trying to do, and I'm going to finish that today. But I think there'll be enough Bible teaching, edification, that was easy for me to say, um, so that uh, anyone who's leaning in can probably profit. It's not my usual teaching. My usual teaching is exposition of Scripture, and then it's hortative, which is another way of saying I exhort quite a bit, because my... My fundamental motivational gift is prophetic, and so I, I, I like to speak into that. How does this apply rather than, well, there's the information. Let's close our books, go home, and go to sleep, you know? How do I apply that? And I'm trying to speak into uh, shaking us, if I can, out of some complacency, some blindness that we have at times. We were praying this morning, and the worship team prayed so spot on, they gave me permission to preach this sermon. I would have done it anyway, but, but it was a good, a good time of prayer. We need, we need to see what we don't see. Anybody ever heard the expression, we don't know what we don't know? That's what happens to us. We think we know, and uh, we don't realize what we don't know. So... I want to get to the point, I'm hoping I can get to the point as a shepherd where I can weekly coach you where you're stuck in your discipleship path. Does that make sense? When when I was pastoring another church, there was a... In fact, she came and spoke at my installation. Some of you know her. Um, Her life was radically turned around. Her marriage was in disaster. She was living in rebellion, and the Holy Spirit was telling her, you're flying in the face of God, and if you keep it up, you're going to be dead. And finally, one day, the spirit broke her. She came in, and 
she began to grow because the Spirit was given permission to take over her life. She began to grow. I was on the phone with her three, four times a week for like an hour, two hours at a time. Is this the Holy Spirit? Is this right? What does this passage say? Blah, 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 blah. I just hate that kind of stuff. <laughs> no, it was awesome. It was awesome because a hungry disciple was just drinking down truth. She became one of the most powerful ministers of my church. So I want to coach us into that kind of progress. And uh, we need to, if we're not really walking the path of discipleship, we need to, oh, here's a bad word, repent and get on the right track, right? So I have concern. If you're a visitor today, this is housekeeping. Let me just say what the church is really about. Any true church should really be about, this is also a very shocking word, the gospel. What it, who can tell me what gospel means? Good news. Here's the good news. The gospel is this. Let me give you four point, uh, three points. The gospel is the answer to get us right with our higher power. Anybody believe there's a higher power? Okay. If I'm a confirmed atheist, I'd be glad to chat with you after service. And that's okay. We respect where you're standing. Whatever, whatever it is you believe, if you're standing consistently on it, I'd love to dialogue with you. I can respect that. I don't agree with it, obviously, or I wouldn't be doing what I do for a living. The gospel gets us right with our higher power. If there is, in fact, some divine being, there is one way to be right with him. He's told us how. We don't have to make it up. Right with our higher power. It gets us right with ourselves. Anybody know what I mean? Inner peace. Victory over the things that are defeating us. Freedom from our shame, because everyone in this room has something they wish they could rewind the tape and delete it. God does not ask you to live under bondage to that. The last thing, the gospel, as much as possible, helps us get right with our neighbor. Our neighbor. Neighbors? Neighbor? That's a... Anybody? Everybody knows what a neighbor is, right? Next door person. Some of them are in this room next door. Some of them are outside next door. As much as is possible, the gospel enables me to get right with my neighbor. Sometimes it's not possible. I get that. But as much as possible, I love to have a clear conscience about that. Anybody with me? To have a clear conscience. I've done what I can. I've reached out. I've tried to get reconciled. They tell me, go away. I go, okay. Did what I could. Now it's God's problem. So I have a concern for Harmony Baptist Church not to stay stuck. Okay? So here we go. I'm not telling you anything about Malone's challenge. Till later. Right now, we're talking just very briefly to catch up on last week on a contextual review. Where have I gone already? So indulge me for just a minute, okay? May I? If you're new to the church, you may not know some of our history. I'm going to tell you right now, some of you are starting to cringe because of where I'm going. You're starting to cringe. And that's because you don't know how to walk in freedom. I don't know how else to put it. You don't know how to walk in freedom. You're afraid to say, we had a train wreck here. <laughs> Look, I came to faith in the seventh. Anybody with me here so far? Nobody's leaving yet. I don't know. I'm not preaching good enough, I guess. Nobody's walking out. Anyway. Huh? Okay, you want to go now? No. <laughs> More fire and brimstone. You leave. Anyway. Here's, the, here's my point. It's a glory to God that I got rescued out of the hippie generation smoking marijuana and everything else. I don't hide that. I rejoice in the power of the gospel. Amen. I want to see us as a church rejoice in the power of gospel instead of trying to hide. Oh, don't talk about it. Don't talk. That's what we need to get free of. People out there know where the train wreck happened. I had a car, train car derail in my neighborhood. You think nobody noticed? Oh, 
Turn off those sirens. We don't want anybody in the neighborhood to know that a train car fell off the tracks. I'm sorry. No, I'm not. We had a train wreck about five years back, six years back. We had a train wreck. We had some real destruction. And we've made some mistakes before that. And guess what? We'll probably make a few more. Even I, believe it or not, have made some mistakes since I've been here. Anyhow, so let me encourage you. We did. I used to use the analogy that the patient had been in a wreck or an ICU. People were saying, what are we going to do next? You're going to get well. So now we're off the tubes. They're not sticking out of every part, you know. We're stable. But we're still not completely strengthened. We're not completely healthy yet. Not fully in shape. I don't think you have to be totally fully in shape to accomplish some things. You know? You don't have to. I'll, I'll stay on track. That was my promise to myself, stay on track. So last week I mentioned some of the good things where the patient is doing well. So we've got some new folks coming. I think in general we kind of enjoy our worship services again. Maybe some of us don't actually dread walking into the building. There was a time we did. Yes? Come on, get honest. Yes. So I think that's a good thing. We have new believers. We have new members. Uh, we have a new uh, junior church curriculum. Things are going good downstairs, I think. Awana keeps going. Our youth group has a pastor. Yay. School has made some... Five points. Um, school has made some progress. And here's one of the fun ones to me. I love that this happened. We had some people absolutely out of their mind with passion to make the food pantry really effectual. What got into you? <laughs> and why I love it is because it, it was a grassroots thing. It was like, no, I, we really, and I didn't have to lift a finger. That's the best part. No, I'm, I'm kidding. It's fun. I, Work harder at it, okay? Because keep your shirt on. I'm coming. Anyway. <laughs> hey, by the way, that was a perfect segue. Because last week I got on the subject of faith. I'm going to re-quote that verse on he wondered at their unbelief. Remember that? And this young lady up here said, I need an explanation. And when she asked that question, it edified a whole bunch of people. Because they're asking the same question. Does that mean I don't have a faith, enough faith? That's why I'm sick and blah, blah, blah. You know, those kind of things. And I tried to clarify that that kind of unbelief, as I'll, I'll repeat in a few minutes, was stubborn refusal. It has nothing to do with how hard I can grip my teeth. So you need to know, Kathy, uh, 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 speaking up, I don't mind that, really. I'm making, I'm making fun, making you know, a joke. But I prefer that you ask so I can scratch where you're itching. Does that make sense? I don't believe the early church, when they gathered in secret catacombs to worship together, that it was like, okay, now formally let us all stand up and let's go. I don't think it was like that. And I think when the teaching took place, the saints were like, explain, explain, help, help. I want to do, I want to coach you. They wanted to coach the disciples in their process. Does that make sense? Okay, so I am not put off by that. Everybody with me? In fact, I get more put off when I find out later, I was really wondering about, why didn't you ask? Okay? Don't ask me why I'm wearing black today or something like that. Just ask about the text, okay? Everybody, Kathy, are we okay? She's like, what? What happened? What? <laughs> Kathy has been a blessing because now I want to talk about the protocol for 2017. You know, the, the patient is stable. The doctors still give protocols to you, don't they? Now I want you to do this for the next six months. I want you to walk every day. I want you to take this medication, whatever it is. Here's some of our protocol. 
One is we've started Bible reading. I hope we're all starting that. Let me just, um, let's see where all my things are. Here we go. Two most common practices in healthy churches. Our resident expert, Tom Rayner. The church, churches that are healthy, here's what they're doing. The church strongly encourages its members to read the Bible. What a novel idea. <laughs> Listen to this. He quotes a, a brother named Wagoner in a book called The Shape of Faith to Come, provides excellent research, research toward this reality. When Christians read their Bibles every day, they are more likely to evangelize, minister to the community, pray, give to the church, and be a unifying force in the congregation. Those congregations get that into their DNA. So we strongly encourage members to read. So if you didn't buy one, you can still get in on it. But I'm not telling you you have to. All I'm saying is I want us to have this little pilgrimage, this little adventure of going through the Holy Word of God together and maybe we're going to hit some things and go, I finally understand that. Oh, wow, or I never saw that. I'm guaranteeing you some of you are going to see that. I never saw that. I didn't know that was in there. This last week I was reading, and I've been through the Bible multiple, multiple times. And uh, I'm reading just now about Samuel. This is about 18% of the way into it. Because mine's on Kindle, so I know how far I can brag how far. I'm 18%. And I read a text today. I said, I, know, I totally forgot that was in there. I don't remember that. That's cool. Next one. Two most common practices in healthy churches. Reading the Bible. Two. The church has an incredibly strong emphasis on groups. Ta-da! Told you. Dropout rates are five times higher for those in worship only versus those who are only involved. I got it all wrong. I read that wrong. Here's what I'm trying to say. Dropout rates are five times higher for those in worship only versus those who also are involved in a group. In other words, groups provide connection. Groups provide three incredible dynamics for members. They increase stickiness. That's assimilation. They provide community, which we all need. Anybody lonely ever? Don't let me get going. And they are instruments of accountability. Now, accountability doesn't have to mean being a nosy pain in the neck. But I do need, if I disappear, this is one of the things that drives me crazy. People who've come here for years, they disappear. Anybody seen so-and-so? No, I don't know. Oh, he's gone. It's like some brother or sister needs to go get in that person's face. What's going on? Maybe they crashed and burned. I don't know. But that's part of the, part of the uh, excitement. So we are moving ahead with Bible reading, and we're moving ahead with small groups starting this month. We have marriage groups going on, and we have basic discipleship growing, going on. And that basic discipleship is necessary so that we can all be sure we're starting on the same page. Because some dimensions of di- discipleship, what does a disciple look like? What does he do? Are very glaringly missing in this congregation. It concerns me. Actually, it makes me go nutty sometimes, Okay. So we want to start to do what the scripture says we ought to be doing as disciples. Out of that, I think we're going to train people because I know some of the small group leaders are like, oh, we're going to start this. And I said, I'm going to stay with you and we're going to train every month and we're going to troubleshoot and dialogue and how do we help people move ahead in their spiritual life. And that requires some skill. It requires some development, some growth. How do I handle this kind of a situation? And when you've led people a lot over many years, you find that you're never ready for some of the situations that come your way. It's like, where did that come from? I've never seen that one before. What do I do with this? So we want to train for ministry because I'm hopeful because the the primary Evidence of true ministry is a word that's used in the New Testament and the Old Testament. It's called shepherd. That we shepherd one another. We help one another. Encourage one another. 
Um, we need help. We're going to need people trained enough to be able to handle visitation or visiting people who need to know the gospel, people who need uh, encouragement, perhaps. We need people who can pray with one another. Here's our targets, for example. People come to visit us. I don't like anybody to slip through our fingers. That's why even opening our time, I wanted to tell you what the gospel's about, just in case you don't know. Getting right with your higher power, getting right within yourself, getting right with your neighbor. That's the gospel. Most people want that. Okay. Eventually... We not only need trained people, I think for the year of 2017, we're looking at, is there a way to reinstitute a board of elders? Because we do need one. I know that's a touchy subject. I don't have time to park on it today. I hope we can do this with wisdom and finesse as a congregation together. And I will go on record. I would rather not have any than have disqualified people holding that office. I will not go any further on that. Also, uh, I need help. And uh, we may have to look at some staff upgrade down the road. There's been a little dialogue behind the scenes. Don't have anything nailed in concrete yet, but just so you're aware. On top of that, we will continue physical upgrades. Thank God for that beautiful bathroom when it's all done, how nice that'll be. And uh, there are other areas in the area that have to, we have to upgrade so it looks like we're open for business. And we'll be moving in that direction. So that's what's coming this year. That's my contextual review, some of what's coming. Any questions on that? And I'll tell you if it's a good question or a good question that I'm not going to answer right now. <laughs> no? Everybody's happy? Gene? I do. If I tell you, you won't come because you'll think you know it all. No, I'm teasing you. My next, my next series, believe it or not, is, well, no, you can believe it, is going to be on the Ten Commandments. Isn't that the old... Te- anyway. You all with me, ma'am? Yeah. Uh, we already announced that... Are you talking about the Bible reading? Yeah. Starting tomorrow morning... You have half of January 1st due. We're taking two years. I'm trying. Listen, I've done this three times in another congregation. It's a great text. But I heard too much. I can't keep up. I can't. Okay, so we'll slow it down by half. And let me tell you, they're bite size. Okay, so you can do it. And nobody's going to get condemned. If you drop out, I won't make you stay out of church for more than a month. No, I'm kidding. Ma'am. Yes, you can get it on Kindle. By the way, you can download. I download mine's in a Kindle right now, uh, or you, or we can get them to you. Just have to do a little catch up. Wouldn't be much. So if you want more, we've got more ordered, right? Jody, are you in here? Oh, she has Junior Church. That's right. Um, I think she already ordered more, ma'am. I'm sorry, I can't hear you. Okay. Okay, last question, though. Yeah. You, you won't be in trouble if you read all of January 1st and 2nd and 3rd. It is. It, you know, you want to keep going, right? Look, I'm trying to take away every excuse. That's what I'm trying to do. Everybody with me? Okay, let's move on. I, I like this. People are fun. Okay. That's what my wife says. Who has more fun than people? Ethos. The mission of the church. What's the mission of the church? It's not a trick. Go, therefore, and make... Of all the nations, baptizing them. Okay. The mission of the church is to make disciples. Win the lost, disciple the saved. 
teach them how to reproduce that. Win the lost, disciple the saved, right? That's what the church is supposed to do. If we examine ourselves by that basis, we're a little bit on the anemic side. We still need some iron pills, like a lot of them. Mission of the church, discipleship. This is why I bring up our ethos. And I saw a big matching bottle. Um, Katie, is that an ethos water you got there? Oh, I don't want smart. I want dumb water. Anyway, I, that's like my phone. I always crack up. People have smartphones. I have a dumb phone because I can run it anyway. But um, here's water. A couple of weeks ago, or maybe more, Don Nauta gives me this big bottle and because of my ADD, I left it in my office. I wanted to hold it up like this and say, look, it says ethos water. Maybe if I drink this water, my ethos will change, right? Our ethos does need to change. So let me look at the verse. This is the verse I brought up again. He could do no miracle there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he wondered. He was amazed. He was taken aback by their unbelief. And what was that unbelief? That's page 1,000 if you want to read it in the black Bible in the chair. The unbelief was the stubborn refusal to submit to what the Holy Spirit was demonstrating was true through the life of Jesus, that he was, in fact, the Messiah. They refused to listen. No, because if I listen, then I'm accountable to what Jesus says, and I have to do it. Right? It's stubborn refusal. The best advertisement... What, what is the biggest complaint you ever hear about why people don't want to come to church? Come on. Huh? Hypocrites, right? What's the best advertisement for the gospel? <laughs> Thank you. Not being a hypocrite, right? Really living, putting your money where your mouth is. My sister... What? My sister, uh, my sister that I mentioned, I don't have a sister physically. My spiritual sister that I was already talking about, one of the things that broke her open was she would come and counsel with me, and literally, she told me later, I'm not offended at all, she would leave and say, that guy's crazy. Now, I'd preach more gospel to her, and she said, he's crazy. And then when she broke, she said, just before she broke, she said, you know, I think he's crazy, but he believes what he's saying. And I respect that. And then she found out it was all true. When the spirit broke through the demonic, literally demonic stronghold that had her out of control in my office. Trust me. She found out that it was reality. Genuine models are the best advertising for the gospel, right? Real disciples. So, I'm talking about ethos, and here's a reason. I want to get, get that off. So, I've got some examples here. No. No. What? Ethos is the atmosphere that we live in, right? So, you can walk into a room and you can feel the hostility. That's the ethos. You can feel warmth and acceptance and like, I know you're struggling and you're messed up, right, Tim? But I'm with you. I'll help you along. That's an ethos. You get it? You can be in this room today like most of us are. You wouldn't dare share your dirty secrets because you don't know who would trash you. That's part of our ethos that has to be wrecked and rebuilt. So I'm, I'm going to just be blunt and, and honor somebody who um, this was read about a couple of months back. Uh, Jim Vizethan actually was reading it and very nobly didn't mention that it was his son that this letter was about. So we had some kids in a school game with the school and got this. Dear Sir, and this came to Mr. Barry and then he gave it to me. I'm the head elder of our church, director of a school in Poughkeepsie. I've worked with and coached children for more than 25 years. Our daughter's soccer team played your team last night. What a wonderful experience. I have to say... Of the numerous teams, get this, of the numerous teams we have played this year, Christian and non-Christian, your team has exhibited the most Christ-like attitude and game play. And then he picked on this kid named Connor and said, his attitude was so positive and Christ-like that our families along the sideline commented things like, my son could sure use 
could sure learn from him, quote, wish we had more like him, and quote, now that's a testimony. Now, I'm trusting you to keep him from being an egotist here, okay? <laughs> Score! I know it, so I can talk about him all I want. He's serving downstairs. What kind of a Christian is he? Anyway, you get my point. Here's, here's, there's two things I need to say. One, why did, I, why did we get a letter about it? Because it's so... Thank you. I wanted to use... Borderline terminology, it's so absolutely rare. That should be the vast majority of our experience. We should be getting those kind of reports back all the time about our Christians, all the time. Instead, I get a phone call. Let me tell you about my first week back to work in the new year. My first week. First two days. 2017 is going to be awesome, my brother Tim said. And boy, was it. No less than three major interpersonal fights on my desk. Fix this, Pastor John. I, can't, I don't even know. I haven't seen it, didn't hear it, wasn't in the middle of it. So I get a phone call. You get these kind of reports, which I want 5,000 of. And then I get a phone call. I'll never set foot in that church while that person's there. This week. Okay. I know that no church is perfect. I know that every church has broken, damaged, sinful... I mean, we blow it. I hate to admit it because I don't want to show any chinks in my armor, but I sin sometimes. Huh? I know it's hard to believe, right? My point is, it's okay if we're broken. It's okay if we stumble, if we will work the gospel, which says, I blew that. I am so sorry. That was not a clear witness for Jesus. I am sorry that I dishonored him. Would you forgive me? No, I won't. Okay, at this point, it's on you, but I am asking your forgiveness. We can walk in humility. The hold back to discipleship. He wondered at their unbelief. I'm going to tell you something that I see. We think that the word doesn't mean what it says. Now, let me explain what I mean. I'm an exception. The reason why that verse doesn't apply to me is because these circumstances mean I'm an exception. The circumstances I went through, what happened to me, my little quirks or whatever, I'm an exception. It doesn't apply to me. Or, oh, and I love this one. Oh, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't, you, know, you don't have to tell me anymore. I get all of that. I get that. Oh, yeah, yeah, I get that. I get that. Mm-hmm. I get that. Let me just encourage you. You are not an exception, and you don't get it. <laughs> if I'm missing it. You see what I'm saying? When I got here, I was interacting with who was, uh, Dar was the secretary then, and I found out that there had actually been some training in warfare prayer and stuff, a la Neil Anderson, the bondage breaker, and all of that. And I was looking at the condition of the church, and we were told, we all, we've been through all of that. And I'm going, what? No, no way at all. That's impossible, was my thought. Can't be, because he's beaten the snot out of us. How come we didn't learn anything? You get what I'm saying? You're not an exception, and maybe you don't get it. We don't know always what we don't know. I still don't totally know all that I don't know. I'll, I'll share that in a second, because yesterday I had the privilege of helping our fellow brothers uh, select, set apart a man to the gospel ministry at an ordination council, and it was kind of fun, but also challenging. There was a sister in another church that literally said this, and I'm going to just be real graphic. This sister was leading, helping lead worship on the platform on Sunday mornings. Got into a wrong, as I recall, relationship. I don't remember whether it was sexually immoral or not. I suspect perhaps. I can't remember now. But she was on the wrong path, so much so, clearly so, that I could show you, show her, 
chapter and verse why this was the wrong path. And her attitude was this. We get an email to all the church staff. Well, basically, go away. And then it said, and no, I'm not going to drink the Kool-Aid. Does everybody know what that... That's a, that's a recent reference that everybody understands what that means, right? I'm going to drink the Kool-Aid. What's a reference to, anybody? Cult. Jim Jones, a cult. Drink Kool-Aid laced with arsenic or whatever it was, and the whole crowd of people in this cult kill themselves because they're under the influence of deceiving spirits. I'm not going to drink the Kool-Aid. My dear young lady, you needed to drink the ethos water. <laughs> Your ethos is, you're not going to tell me what to do, which, by the way, you're saying to God, ultimately. I don't think I'm God. I'm saying his word. You're telling him to go away. Drink the ethos water. Purify your guts. Get all that dirt out because you are deceived to your own destruction, which I'm sure, as is often the case in most of the histories I recall, you either turn to God and do it right and he blesses you or life does not work well for you. I hear about the wreckage years later. We must drink the ethos water, the ethos of the gospel, the good news. I can be right with my higher power. I can be at peace in my own spirit with God, not self-deceived and anesthetized, really right with him, really walking in authority. I can be that, and I can be right with my brother and sister or neighbor, even a non-Christian, as much as is humanly possible. I think the problem with my dear little friend back there, she needed more of the real God on her screen. We need more of God on our screen, right? More of him, less of the junk we're living in and our whatever it is. You know... Last week, I quoted um, Giglio. What's his first name? Louis Giglio. And uh, somebody just came back from a passion concert. Lucky. A conference, I mean. He said this, The greatest thing in time, space, and eternity is the fame, the name, and the glory of Jesus Christ. Can I just say, I'm sitting in that ordination council yesterday and they're, I mean, we strain at gnats, you know, we really do. Pick of this. So if, um, if a Christian can't be possessed, please explain to me, this was my question so I can use it. Please explain to me how the Holy Spirit can indwell filthy humans. <laughs> What's the difference? Everybody's like, yeah, what is it? I'm not telling you now. you got to wait. That's, that's next week. <laughs> no, it isn't. Anyway, no, it's a discussion. But here's what came up. So what is the purpose of the church? What is the mission? Oh, we got some real evangelistic pastors in the room, and it's like, yeah, the mission is we need to win people. To yes, I totally agree. But what's the purpose of the church? Got real quiet. Wow, you reformed Westminster quoter. What is the chief end of man? To glorify God and enjoy him forever. What is the purpose of the church? The glory of its maker. The glory of God. Do you understand today? And I don't know that we all do. You have a name to honor. And when I get reports about the behaviors and the foolishness and the misuse of gifts that God has given us not to abuse, I, I just go, what are we thinking? You have a name that you're supposed to honor. If my kids did some of those things, I'd have, they would, uh, yeah, they would know that they would have been in doo-doo because you, and, and by the way, this isn't about pride. I don't care what anybody thinks. I do when it comes to the name of Christ and what, what they think about us as a family. I do. It matters. I have a name to honor. Character and service work together. We want to serve, but we throw aside character. That doesn't work. Can I get an amen? Am I an idiot or what? You've got to have character, and that brings us to the other thing. So we need to work in 2017 on our ethos, 
And, and I don't have time to get into the whole issue of interpersonal, but we will because we can do a lot better. I know we can. I know we can. The other thing is ministry. Ministry. So I quoted all the good stuff, right? That was a great story from Connor there. Wasn't that cool? So get me all wound up. Ministry. I don't know how else to put this. I'll just put it the way I wrote it down. We need to make this work. No, 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 no. Okay. We need to make this work. If not, let's shut the doors, donate the property or whatever to the school, and let's go about our business. Do we want to be a real church? Or do we want to be, as I've said before, a club? We need to make this work. Here's the verse that just blows me away. What, 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 what? We need to make this work. Oh, now, keep your shirt on. You, you and her, you just sit together. <laughs> okay, now you're both cataloged. Okay, just kidding. No, excellent. We're getting there. We're getting there. And I'm going to be done early. Can you believe that? Is this an awesome verse? From the rising of the sun even to its setting, my name will be great among the nations. In every place, incense is going to be offered to my name, and a grain offering that is pure for my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. Don't you want to be part of that? Making his name great among the nations instead of dishonored among the nations? Or meh. Yeah, meh. Yeah, that fits in this community, right? Meh. Oy, oy vey. Great. I almost fell into sin here. I told you I was going to say it. How did I say it the right way? We were having a chat this week. I'm in it now. Too late. No, I'm talking about myself. Um... Do you know the context of Malachi, Haggai? It's right toward the end of the Old Testament. It's, it's the season where the people of Israel had been amazingly returned to the land from Babylon. And they're building the temple of God and all of that stuff happens. And then in Malachi and Haggai, the prophets start rebuking the people. Why? Because everything else comes first. You, you take your worst animal that's crippled or lame and you offer that to me. You, uh, you build your house, you neglect my house, you keep your money to yourself and then you wonder why your personal coffers are dry and there's no food on your table because I'm against you. You put yourself first, you cheat yourself of the blessing. And we think, oh, that's Old Testament. Oh, my brothers and sisters, get it out of that, would you please? The principle's still true. That's the whole point of that exhortation. And I said last week, he's a great king. His name is to be honored among the nations, and we often give him the dregs. Now, obviously, it's not everybody here, but I have seen so much that it makes me wonder. I have said it over and over. I'm not trying to be a pain in the neck. But does it really matter? Is this part of the kingdom work right here? We either want to play that it is or forget it. Make this work. I almost fell into sin because I saw so much of that that I thought, boy, if you really don't care, why should I? That's not a good thing for a preacher. You know? Unbelief lets us think that's okay. That's why I'm saying I think unbelief is something we need to spiritually war against in this place. And I said, oh my, you know what? I believe God is real and I will answer for what I'm going to do, whatever you guys do. I just would like us all to go together in the right direction, which would be good. Okay, I'm giving my exhortation. I hope you can receive it because I love and care about you. And we one day are all, I've said it before, it won't be Hockle answering to God for Harmony Baptist ministry. 
A little bit I'm going to answer, yeah. You know those mess-ups you did? Yes, I'm, you're all going to see it. It'll all be played on the videotape, and I'll be going, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Do you have to show them all of that? Oh, yeah, yeah. But I'm not the only one. We're all in it together, right? Ministry. Why do many churches spend too much on personnel costs or they get into the problems they get into? Let me just read. There were six reasons on this Rainer sheet. I just want to read the last two. Like fearful of making tough decisions up north. Um, I needed to make some... I had some guys on my team I should have. That's a hard thing to do in church, you know, when you're supposed to all be nice and full of love and light. (laughs) But it did have to happen. Listen to these two. One, we're not equipping the laity. That's your point. We're not equipping lay people to do ministry. There are some functions that should be led by paid staff, but there are others that should be handled extremely well by volunteers. If you haven't picked up on this, Churches are a volunteer-intensive organization. That's what the church is. You like that phrase? Volunteer-intensive. That's stolen from Bill Hybels. He knows what he's talking about. Build a huge church in Chicago lands. Volunteer-intensive. Now, I'm going to park on that in a minute because I do know that some people, I've said it before, people come... They've been used up, chewed up, spat out by a local church, and they just need to heal for a while. If you're in that condition or you're in a season that's terrible, we had a conversation about this this last week, feel free to just sit and soak. And some of you are. But I can't believe that out of 170 or so people coming, we're all bashed up and handcuffed. Sometimes we have no time because we filled our times with some of the wrong things. Oh, I don't want to get... Oh, mm, 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 mm. Mm. It's ADD time, see, and then I'll, my time will be up. No, um, no, because I, I know marital stress. I get some of that. I know the poor young moms today that have husbands that spend 20 hours a week in front of a video game. But I don't have time to serve Jesus. Yeah, Of course you don't. That's your choice. You've got to do something about that. And sometimes we do have to say no to good things for the sake of the better things, right? And that I can't dictate that to you. You have to decide that. You have to wrestle that down between you and God. But here's my point. Ministry, we need to make this work. Here's his second point. Many churches have a pay-to-minister mentality. I refer to these churches, and I've mentioned this before, as country club churches. The members perceive their tithes and offerings to be akin to dues. Since they pay their dues, someone should do the work for them. That's why you hire preachers. Ministry is all about paying for others to do the work rather than doing the work of the ministry itself. Let me tell you why that's totally wrong. Because God gave everyone in this room who's born again a gift. It's in the Bible. not making this up. That means there's something you're supposed to put your hands to. 170-so people coming, statistics on giftedness, which I know a little bit about. About 10% of a congregation have the gift of evangelism. Who are you? (laughs) I want to talk to you. I was thinking only 10%. Huh? I was thinking only 10%. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying is God, God has distributed the gifts as he sees fit. The point is, Those people are the ones who need to learn how to leverage that gift and bring them in. And then the rest of us create an ethos where when they come in, they go, ooh, I like this place. He's so friendly. I just love him. I want to come back. Everybody with me? All right, dude. All right. So we're rolling here. Okay. Rainer talks about six reasons for something. Oh, I already read them. I don't want to read them again. No. We're to share in the ministry. Do you, do you know the technical job description according to Ephesians for pastors? Well, of course you do. You can't talk. Okay. He's got Bible training. That's not fair. It, equip the saints 
for the work of service. And that's why when we do our small groups, I'm going to be coaching you for at least six months, maybe more, to make sure we're learning all that we can to become co-shepherds. Help me disciple the saved. And save the lost. Act, please, like this place actually matters. Some helps for me. This is a little um, house cleaning i got to do real quick. Can I just ask for you to answer phone calls and emails, please? I am astounded at times. And I'm not picking on any one person. It's rampant. I know it's part of our culture. We're glued to the screen, kind of self-focused and rude. That's the way I see it because I'm an old guy. Or maybe I'm too old for this job. I don't know. But when we're trying, you know, Jody is my administrator. Yeah, one of those. And uh, we're trying to set up things, set up appointments, set up dinners with people and whatever. I get nothing back. And by the way, if your email is pq739.net, what net, another net, I don't know who you are if you don't put your name on it. Who is that? (laughs) Small churches with 12 people. Oh, I know, that's her email. Yeah, that's nice for you. Then there's the dumbbell here. I don't know who you are. I don't have omniscience. Put your name on it. I'm having fun with you, right? See, she's mad. Okay. (laughs) That was me. I didn't put my name on it. Not at all. So answer phone calls. Check your emails. If that doesn't work, tell us another way. If it's texting, we'll do text. I don't care how. Just make sure the communication goes back and forth. I try to set things up. I have to wait a month and a half sometimes. Well, I've lost all that time. It's gone. Well, why aren't you doing anything? You really want to know? (laughs) Uh, So anyway, if you're using something in the building, put back the place the way you found it. How hard is that? One of the biggest tensions we have with the school is, they move my stuff. One of the tensions we have with them, they move my stuff. I'll, I'll go lecture them next. Let's start first. Let's model it. Put it back. Last week we had our karate class. I wasn't out of the room five minutes when I came back. We sweep the whole place up to get ready for class, so it's clean. I walk back 20 minutes later. Somebody had aimed for the trash can but missed with an ice cream cone all over the floor. I'm like, seriously? Seriously? What are you raised in a barn? That's what my parents used to say. What are you raised in a barn? Pick it up. Nobody came back to pick it up. I did it. That's what you're spending the big bucks on. Janitorial work. We can fix some of that, okay? It's not that complicated. It means taking two extra minutes to think about how's this affecting the next person? How is this affecting the next person? Can I leave it? You know, I was raised, and this is not a Christian, well, I think it could be applied. Leave it better than you found it. I borrow someone's truck. One, one exception. I don't, did I wash or try? I can't remember. I usually wash it, bring it back, that kind of a thing. Once in a while, I blow it. I'm not going to borrow your car. <laughs> no. <laughs> Unless you let me rummage through it for all the loose change. Okay. So, so now, just for fun, what's the title all about? Malone's Challenge. Some of you may remember this from The Untouchables, which isn't totally historically accurate, but this is a great clip. You said you wanted to know how to get Capone. Do you really want to get him? You see what I'm saying? What are you prepared to do? Everything within the law. And then what are you prepared to do? If you open the ball on these people, Mr. Nash, you must be prepared to go all the way. Because they won't give up the fight until one of you is dead. I want to get Capone. I don't know how to get him. Want to get Capone? Here's how you get him. He pulls a knife. You pull a gun. He sends one of yours to the hospital. You send one of his to the morgue. That's the Chicago way. That's how you get Capone. Now, do you want to do that? Are you ready to do that? making you a deal. No more. 
we're going to do it the Chicago way here. <laughs> Not literally. Do you get the point? What are you prepared to do? Now, do you want to do that? Are you ready to do that? Let me just have fun with you for a second. No, I'm not going to do this one because our time is almost up. It had to do with, oh, what what does, let me just read it. 15 top responses to the word Baptist. Let me just say, more than, most of them are not positive. So here's the question. If your mission is to win lost people and get every block out of the way, what are you prepared to do? Would changing the name of Harmony Baptist Church be on the table? Or is that a no-no? Is immediately you're having this reaction. If I'm having that reaction, the kingdom is not first. My little kingdom is first. That's what I'm getting at. What am I prepared to do? Rainer's book, I am a, you know, it should be, help, I'm a church member. (laughs) That's what it should be. We still give these out. We still have some of these, and we can give out more. They're free. We were glad to pass them out. Talked about uh, generationally how we're losing this generation. Only 15% of millennials are Christians. The building generation is passing away. Many of them are in the room. The reason this place is here is because of their sacrifice. We can blame the losses. We're losing people. We can blame it on secular culture. We often do. We can blame it on the godless politics of our nation. We do that as well. We can blame it on the churches, the hypocritical members and the uncaring pastors. That's, that's me. Lots of Christians are doing that, but I am proposing that we who are church members need to look in the mirror. I'm suggesting that congregations across America are weak because many of us church members have lost the biblical understanding of what it means to be part of the body of Christ. We join our churches expecting others to serve us, to feed us, to care for us. We don't like the hypocrites in the church, but we fail to see our own hypocrisies, right? God didn't give us churches to become country clubs where membership means we have privileges and perks. He placed us in churches to serve, to care for others, to pray for leaders, to learn, to teach, to give, and in some cases to die for the sake of the gospel. Whoa. We've turned the meaning of membership upside down. There's a commitment. I'm a church member. I make a pledge as a functioning member. I will give. I will serve. I will minister. I will evangelize. I will study. I will seek to be a blessing to others. I will remember that if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one is honored, all the members rejoice with it. In other words, we'll live in biblical ethos community. And so I'm going to use a... Rainer reminder. This is how I ended last week, and I'm ending it today, because if I go one minute past half past, my wife will kill me because she is taking care of kids downstairs with other wonderful volunteers, and thanks for those who do it. Four commitments church members need to make. One, I'll wake up to reality. We're losing ground. It's time to strap on our weapons. Stop licking your wounds and whining and everything else. I will seek God rather than my preferences. But I will not. No. I will believe God can overcome all obstacles. You can pray for me because that's where I struggle. Not that he can, but will he? That's where I struggle. And maybe some of you too. Pray. And lastly, I will build this house of God, right? Let's stand together as we go. I want to thank you for the people of God gathered here today. They could have done other things. They could be out enjoying fresh air and beautiful weather. But they chose to come and hear from you and to worship you and to sing about you. I ask that you bless them for that. I ask you, Lord, where we have blinders, that it would be released. I ask you where we are on task, that we encourage our brothers and sisters next to us to be on task as well. And if this morning, God, um, one of our brethren or sisters 
have recognized, I really need to nail this down. This is as good a day as any to come forward, get before the living God and say, I want to build the house of God. In the name of Jesus, put your angels around us and keep us. And if anyone needs to deal with the Father today about obeying his plan for the kingdom work through his household, I invite you up to pray. I'll pray with you. In Jesus' name we pray and all of God's people said, amen Amen and amen. God bless you. Have a good day. If you need to pray, I'm up here available.